give it up for Russ and Susan Folkler. I just love that we get to kind of be here all talking about God, but also enjoying each other. It all kind of works together, doesn't it? Just, it's all family. It's all life for all eternity. And it gets to start right now, being with each other, being for each other and helping each other through because we all need help from one another as we, we seek after God's heart, don't we? So, so Russ and I are going to do a little tag team tonight. Um, so I'll, let me just pray because I'm going to start. So Jesus, um, I thank you for what you've already been doing in our hearts. We need help. We need help. <laughs> we need help opening up our hearts. We want you so much, God, but we don't always know how to get what we want from you inside. But you know, you know all things. So I pray that you use... Um, the things we're going to share tonight, use our hearts, anoint our words, and pre- prepare each and every one of us, God, just to just to drink what you're serving for each one in your own unique way, God, because you love us more than any one of us imagines. Your love is so much better, so much uh, more perfect than uh, we know exactly what we need you are exactly what we need so god do what you want to do tonight lord and in your name jesus amen so we ah, did it work it worked hey look at that um we're gonna talk about something that's sort of become a a favorite theme of ours, I'd say, and that's just learning how to really live from your true heart, from the core of who you really are. Um, it's been our observation over the years, doing a lot of inner healing ministry and, and um, for a lot of different people that most of us um, forgot who we were a really long time ago. But the beautiful thing is we are discovering that in Jesus, that he wants us to be fully who we are, who he created us to be, who he already knows us all to be. He already sees that completely. Um, So I just, we just wanted to start out tonight. I wanted to share a little bit about um, what I was experiencing these last few months because how many know God is really good at setting us up? Isn't he? Like you just think you're doing, you're doing great. You're full of the glory of God and things are awesome and wonderful. And then suddenly, whoop, whoa, 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 whoa. What was that? <laughs> what was that? So I'll tell you a little bit about that. And then I'll kind of open us up um, a little more for what we're going to share tonight. I don't know how many of you were with us one of the Wednesdays um, during the Winds of Change last April, May, somewhere like that. We watched the movie by Hi- uh, about Heidi Baker called Compelled, Compelled by Love. Um, I was there. And I've certainly um, seen Heidi Baker a number of times over the years, but there was something about that movie that just hit me so deep when I saw how in 
love with Jesus. She is. I was just, that is coming from the very depth of her heart. How much she loves him and how much she knows he loves her. See, she knew that she knew that she knew that he loved her. And um, it was absolute sincerity. And I looked at that and went, wow, I want to be like that. And I started recognizing I'm not quite there yet because I also, but I also know that it's not because she's loving God so hard. It's because she's learned how to receive his love first, right? We can only love him when we receive first. That's always our little bit of our hang up, isn't it? Learning to receive, but he'll, he teaches us. So anyway, I started recognizing that about myself and went, wow, that is so real. That is so from the depth of her being. And I, I want that more. You know, I'm not going to become Heidi Baker. That's not who I am. That's not who I'm supposed to be. But I want more what I see that she has. And um, as I started processing that, I think Cynthia, I remember Cynthia Charles was there that night too, and we both look at each other and go, can I get a ride home with you? I can't talk to anybody. I can't minister tonight. I need to go home and process what started, you know, opening up in my heart. And as I start continued praying over the next few weeks, I just started getting this revelation that there were some things in my heart that um, that I had kind of used to feel okay about myself, sort of identity statements. Like, um, well, I must be okay because other people think I'm okay, so doesn't that make me okay? And I honestly hadn't realized that was there to that extent. Realizing, you know, that's not, that doesn't hold water. That does not fill my void. And it just felt like this unraveling started taking place in my heart of, well, that one doesn't work. That, that's got to go. And, and I, I, of course, I know the answer like we all do with our left brain, don't we? We all know all the right scriptures and all the right answers with left brain. But it's that heart that struggles. And um, as he started unraveling these things, I started getting in touch with some very deep-seated pain. Um, I hadn't known that was there to that extent. Um, some real feelings of, gosh, growing up, I was everybody's problem. I was always in the way. I was always making a mess. I was, that was just seemed to be the message I was always getting. That um, it just didn't feel like anybody was for me growing up. It, um, there we go, I'll move the slide along. Um, and I realized uh, I, my left brain knows God is for me, and my heart knows that He's with me. I knew that, I knew that, I knew that, I knew that He was with me, but my heart didn't fully have a revelation that He was for me. Like, He's my cheerleader. He's my cheerleader. That to me, that was a foreign concept. God's my cheerleader. Wow. I don't, it was hard to have a grid when you don't get that when you're really young. We have to learn that when we become adults, when we get saved, we learn that we need to learn that from our teacher, Holy Spirit, don't we? Um, so that just started a process and I got some ministry and, um, it's definitely opened up more. I know there's, that truth's got to get in deeper. 
But I know more than ever before in my life that God is for me. That has definitely gotten to a deeper place than ever. That he's not just putting up with me. He's not just with me. But he is cheering me on and he is for me. And it's not dependent on what I'm doing or I'm not doing or had a great day, had a great conversation, whatever. He's for me because that is his absolute nature of his love for me is to be for me. So I'm going to call Russ up now and he's going to go dig into this a little bit deeper in terms of where do we get our sense of our worth and our identity in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Susan. Wow. That was enough right there, wasn't it? <laughs> as, as Susan shared, um, and I, I had a similar process. I kind of approach things differently than Susan, and I'm definitely slower with the, the heart stuff. Um, but every once in a while in my quiet time, the Holy Spirit will say, generational blessings. And I go, okay, cool. What do you mean? <laughs> do you ever do that when God says something to you? A lot of times he, his communication is an invitation to, to go deeper, isn't it? It's, it's a, are you going to, like the burning bush that Moses decided to turn aside and interact with because he, he decided to pay attention. Do we, so I've been trying to pay attention to these things, especially the recurring things that keep on coming up in my journal. I said, okay, what, what about generational blessings? And um, he led me to, uh, to read up and listen to uh, and pursue some, some ways in which um, looking for my legitimacy in the wrong areas can actually affect me and also affect my children and, and others. And also, because I'm a pastor, it, it can make a difference for other folks as well. And so I, I, I've been looking into what, what it means when I look to wrong, the wrong things, the things that really don't bring life for my legitimacy, for my sense of well-being, for being okay, which, as you heard from Susan, was something similar for her. She was being challenged about whether what we look to to make ourselves feel good really holds water or not. I'm okay because I have a position, or I'm okay because I'm a pastor, or I'm okay because people say I'm okay. Or a lot of us look for comparisons, don't we? Well, I'm better than that person. I'm doing better than them, so therefore I must be okay. And, and that, as Susan would say, that doesn't hold water either, does it? But how often do we do that? <laughs> we just slip into it, don't we? But in the kindness and safety of seeing ourselves through daddy's eyes, our heart can explore letting go of the old ways and old assumptions about getting our deepest needs met. Does anyone recognize that, uh, that picture? That's, that's Akiana's uh, painting of, of Jesus. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So... I thought those would be good eyes to pick for, for, for representing Jesus and Father. So that's my, my hope for you tonight, is that 
after the worship and the sense of just being loved and entering into this this deep emotional spiritual connection that that you would feel safe enough to let God into some things he wants to draw your attention to and he's doing it not because you're not enough his it's his fiery jealous love wants to remove everything that's in the way of being who you really are created to be and in the deepest kind of relationship you've always yearned for with him. It's his fiery, passionate love, not not because he's just wanting to tell you what's wrong. Does that make sense? So we have we have two basic needs. Every there's lots of subsets, but two basic needs safety, security, our physical needs being met, food, shelter, warmth. And also, the other need we have is significance. That who we are matters. Um, uh, a guy named Viktor Frankl uh, did, did a study of the survivors of the Holocaust, people who survived the concentration camps. And he found out that one of the things, one of the main things that caused some people to hang on and survive is because they saw meaning in their lives. They saw significance in what they were doing and who they are. It's a very powerful thing. So significance and legitimacy are are very, very related. I can feel okay about myself because blank. All of us have things that kind of we use for that, right? I can feel okay about myself because of this or that. We are looking for ways to feel, to feel legitimate, to feel that we are significant and valuable. Much of our motivation is deeper than just logical thoughts. They have to do with our emotions. They have to do with a deep desire to feel and be protected and safe. And they have to do with our identity. Am I doing or being like myself? We all have a, a part in our brain that is actually our identity center. Of course, it's bigger than that. Even, even when we're not in our brain, we still have it, right? <laughs> Thankfully, even, even when we die, we, still have, we will still have ourselves. Our, we will be preserved. So I don't want to say it's just in the brain, but they've actually found a part of our brain that has to do with, with our sense of self. And we kind of check, with what we're, check in with what we're doing to see whether it... it it lines up with who we think we are. So we're always we're we're looking for ways. Am I acting or being like I who who, who I am? So I have three questions. I'm trying to learn from Brent about using uh, using using Keynote more 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 fun ways. We're doing serious fun here. <laughs> Let's see if it comes. There we go. It's on my. It's on here, but it's not on there. Could you? Um, I'll click it again. There we go. Okay. So I'd like you to check this in with yourself. I feel legitimate when. Just. Not going not to have you share it with anyone. There's not going to be any, any quiz. But 
what, where do you get your legitimacy or your sense of feeling legitimate from? I feel legitimate when my wife pats me on the head and says, I'm a good boy. <laughs> it actually works really well. <laughs> and the next one is, I, I will feel legitimate when. Ooh. Are you waiting for something to happen so you can feel okay? I will feel legitimate when... I finally get my degree, or I'll, I will feel legitimate when I find a mate and get married, or yeah, these are real stuff, isn't it? Or I will I will feel legitimate when um, my kids come back. There's a lot. There's a lot of times we're waiting, aren't we? We don't even realize it sometimes. Oops, that's not what I wanted to do. How do I come back? Come back, come back. Okay, da 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 da. Trapping, tapping. Oops. The last one, which you have to take me on trust for, (laughs) is um, I can never feel legitimate because. For some of us, there's some things we believe about ourselves where we're, we think that'll never happen. Yeah. And that's not true, is it? But some of us feel that way. It's really quiet in the room. <clears throat> um, let's see. And by legitimate, I mean I feel okay about myself. I, hold my, I can hold my head up. I can... I know that I have standing with others, all those things. Yeah, it's coming back again. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm moving on now. Probably was tapping too fast. Sorry about that. Sometimes it get too tricky <laughs> for things to work. All right. So, come back. I, I guess. I guess the Holy Spirit really wants you to focus on those three questions. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, what happens when we've learn to lean on the world's ways to, of feeling and knowing we're, le- we're legitimate. Some of you are going, it doesn't work very good. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> but we all, we all do it without realizing it. And part of what I'm, I'm hoping to do is not at all for you to feel bad, but for you to go, ah, I didn't realize I was doing that, and now I can ask, I can ask Holy Spirit to help me with that. No condemnation, just like, oh. <clears throat> but this is why it's important. This is from James chapter 4 in the message. Well, when we look to the world for our sense of feeling good about ourselves, Paul, James says, you're cheating on God. 
If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it, he who is a fierce, he's a fiercely jealous lover. God is a fiercely jealous lover. He, he's not happy when we are pursuing legitimacy props for our sense of self instead of receiving his love for our sense of self and identity and feeling, feeling good. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. Amen to that? What he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. And then he goes on to say, it's common knowledge that God goes against the willfully proud and God gives grace to the willfully humble. And I, I suggest that part of being willfully proud is when we look for other ways to feel okay of our, ourselves instead of the relationship we have with our daddy. We're saying, I don't want to be dependent upon that connection, that heart connection. I want to do this myself. I don't want to have a dependency on a relationship. The relationship with the one who created and loves me and knows me better than anyone and died for me, but I'd still rather do it myself. That's, that's part of being willfully proud. Another thing that happens is that we end up reaping what we're sowing. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Galatians chapter 6, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. And I, I put in my italics, that's my comment, something that decays and perishes. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And I, as I was working through this, this was one of the scriptures that he, he brought up to me. When we, when we sow into other things to get our sense of well-being, our sense of legitimacy, we're sowing into those things. We're, we're not just giving them thoughts. We're putting in a lot of we can end up putting a lot of energy from our life into trying to feel good about ourselves because we're doing something or another. So we're, does it affect our salvation? No. Does it mean that we're being robbed of, of some of the joy and blessing and grace we could have if we weren't sowing into those things? Yes. How am I doing? Is this, is this okay? <laughs> Are you there? <laughs> this won't hurt too much, I promise. <laughs> Susan laughs. <laughs> so I'm gonna, we're going to talk a little, some examples of some legitimacy lies. Hopefully this will work better. Okay. There we go. I call them lies or props. Props meaning something that we're, we're using to prop us up. Sometimes that sounds better than just a lie, right? It's things that we're, we're leaning on. We're going, this is, this is what I'm relying on for feeling okay about myself. 
I feel, this is something especially for guys, I feel legitimate when I fix things and people. <clears throat> now, just give you an insight. As I was looking through this stuff, I, I admitted to Susan, Susan, I think I've got a bit of at least all of these legitimacy props in me. So if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> and of course, whenever you prepare a talk, God always works in you first, doesn't he? It's a dangerous thing to be a, a, a teacher sometimes. A good thing. <laughs> but you know he's going to work here. So just want you to think for me, with me for a moment about what would happen. First of all, it's not bad to, to uh, fix things, right? None of these things are bad by themselves. All of these things have their important place. The, the difficulty comes in when we feel like I'm not okay unless this is happening. I'm not okay unless I'm fixing things and people. And what happens if we believe I'm not okay unless I'm doing this? What kinds of things might happen? Yeah, I might, I might start, I might start uh, being lawless. I might start doing things outside of what's right and proper in order to get things done, in order to fix things. I might um, not respect other people's boundaries and feel it's my job to fix them. <laughs> I'm laughing because I've tried that. <laughs> oh, by the way, humor is a really great antidote for all these uh, legitimacy props. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a really good antidote. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of things that can happen. We're, we're, we're created to, to solve problems and and to make sense of things. And some of us have a really great interest in design. And those are all good things. It's just when we lean on it so hard that we're not trusting God. And we feel like we have to make things happen even if we use lawless or illegitimate approaches. Okay, hold on. I feel legitimate if my children or protégés don't fail. Some of us are so invested in our children or our students or our protégés or our spiritual children uh, not failing that we can do a lot of things that aren't really helpful for them. Again, I just want you to kind of think this through a little bit. If you really had to lean on that, that might mean that you... Set it up for, that they never have, they're not able to take risks because then they might fail. Or you might, you might enable them to be irresponsible because you don't ever want to feel like they're failing. There's a huge difference between helping build a platform and empowering someone and enabling irresponsibility. And uh, some of us just because of just wanting peace in the house, we we'll, won't confront or we won't um, allow uh, our children to experience the consequences of the direction they're going. And that doesn't help them grow up, does it? So, of course, we don't want our children to fail. But if that becomes how I know I'm okay, then I'm going to do a lot of things that aren't very helpful. 
I see some people shaking their head. <laughs> okay, this is one that I really get hooked into. Are you ready? <laughs> like I said, humor, good antidote. <laughs> I feel legitimate when I know stuff. Again, it's good to know stuff, isn't it? Not bad. We want to increase in knowledge and understanding. None of this is bad. It's only when it becomes, I fear I'm going to be illegitimate. I'm going to be not okay if I don't know something. So Susan will tell you that... <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> Susan will tell you that I have a strong... I used to have an even stronger desire. It's still a bit there to be, to be right. <laughs> none of none of you have anybody in your life like that, right? Good. You're very you're very blessed. <laughs> and there's, but there's all sorts of pathologies that happen when when you have to know in order to feel okay. Because that means if you don't know, you're not okay. And a lot of times in life, the best thing we can do is say, "God, I don't know. Please help me." <laughs> Who were the people in Jesus' time who really got a lot of legitimacy from knowing? The Pharisees, right? They were learned, but they weren't learners. They weren't ready to learn from the one who's the true rabbi. So again, that goes back to that, that same thing, I was, the dynamic I was sharing before. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud, right? When we, we say, I'm going to do things my way, and I'm going to know I'm okay because it's what I know, then suddenly we're not able, to, if someone else comes along with something that's outside of our box, that threatens our legitimacy. Now, let's see. The, a lot of what I'm sharing actually comes from a teaching by Megan Caldecourt called Love and Legitimacy, and I'll have this uh, the slide's up. You'll be able to find it if you want. And her teaching, all of it comes from Arthur Burke. Arthur Burke. I've changed it a bit. Here's another one. I feel legitimate when people follow me. So sometimes, I know it probably doesn't happen to you, but sometimes I check and see how many people have liked what I just wrote on Facebook. <laughs> Nobody else does that, right? <laughs> Are you following me? Do you like? <laughs> um, but we, most of us, have probably been in situations in organizations where, where this becomes really pathological, where where someone wants followers so much that they use manipulation and shame and control to get people to, to stay with them and follow them and not leave the organization and not allow them to do what they're called to do because it's all about the leader feeling legitimate. Yeah. Does that register with some of you? So you can see that it's a good thing if you're a leader to have followers, but if it becomes your prop, how you, what you lean on for feeling okay, all sorts of dysfunction can happen. One of the things that happens when 
you look to having followers in order to feel legitimate is is you tend to lower the standards. You don't challenge people to live to their out of their true heart or out of the righteousness of God, and you tend to dumb things down so that they're not challenged. If you tell if you encourage if you tell people it's time to you know to uh, to let God work deeply in their lives so that they can live out of his righteousness by the Holy Spirit. A lot of people are going to go, well, I'll go elsewhere. Am I making sense? You, you tend to lower, if, you want, if, if your legitimacy is because people follow me, I'm going to do things that are going to make it really easy for you not to be challenged or turned off by, <laughs> by, by following me. I'm going to try and make it as, as easy as possible. No challenge, no, no call to... To, um, to really follow Jesus. Was Jesus afraid of doing that? No. <laughs> and he said some really hard things, and a bunch of folks said, we're out of here. But the disciples said, Lord, where else can we go? You have the words of life. They knew, even though his words are challenging, he was bringing life to them. I need to wrap up this soon so Susan, we can go on with the great stuff is in, in store with Susan. So I'll, I'll do this really fast. Um, I feel legitimate when people need me. A lot of times we can, uh, we can end up, if we, this is our, our prop, then we will use our resources to try and uh, keep people beholden to us. I want you to keep on needing me. I want you to keep on... Uh, needing whatever I have, I'm not going to help you. I'm going to keep on doling out some fish, but I'm not going to teach you how to fish. Another way of looking at it is, how many of you remember The Godfather, the movie The Godfather? That was a system where he, he tried to hook people in. He would, he, would, he would try and meet their needs, but then they owed him something. Because there's legitimacy was... People need me, and then I could get to control them. <clears throat> These are kind of shocking, aren't they? <clears throat> I am legitimate when I have power. Is power can power be a good thing? Yes. Brent was talking about we want we want to uh, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. None of these things are bad by themselves. It's when we lean on them for our sense of being okay. What happens if I'm if I'm legitimate when I have power? That means I'm not legitimate. I feel I'm I'm not legitimate when I don't have power, doesn't it? And if that's the basis of how I'm okay, I will do terrible things to keep in power. You can watch lots of miniseries about that. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but the color of God's love is I am loved, I am legitimate, even when I'm blocked or weak. I am loved, I am legitimate, even when I'm blocked or weak. That's the truth. That's a great truth, isn't it? Okay, there's one more, Susan, and then you'll, we'll have you come up, okay? <clears throat> Here's another scary one. I hope you can see that. Um, I must earn God's love by great sacrifice. Some of us 
uh, grew up in homes where we were told we had to continue proving our love for our parents by by following what they wanted us to do, and sometimes they expected us to do great sacrifices. And that's one of the ways we can learn that we have that God, Father God, expects us to to earn His love continually. You have to keep on doing something else, making another sacrifice, do another thing to prove Him, prove that you're worthy of His love. And you can see where that leads. You can end up sacrificing things that God never intended for you to sacrifice, including the people in your life. What's the color of God's love for this? <laughs> we don't have to do anything to earn his love. As, as Brent was saying and Marilyn was saying, we are, he loves us because we are his. And Brent has and others have done a beautiful, a beautiful illustrations and re- reinforcement of that almost every time we get together. And, that's, and this is why we can so often, we can easily get off, on tra- off track because of, of things that we got from the world. If you choose to ask God to help you no longer lean on these things, I just want I just want to give full disclosure. <laughs> if you decide, okay, I'm no longer going to look to these things for my little hit. Some of the stuff is like a, like a nicotine hit. You know, we just kind of, if if you've ever smoked, which I haven't, but I, I understand that you get a little bit of pleasure and excitement every time you you do that. Well, a lot of these legitimacy props, we feel this little zip in our emotions when we feel powerful or we. We, we know we proved that we know or all these other things we get a little you know emotion we give ourselves a little emotional reward for that little doggy biscuit <laughs> <clears throat> so if you say okay god i no longer want to lean on those things i just want to be with you i just want to enjoy your love sometimes you're going to go through some withdrawal there's going to be an emptiness that may happen as you learn to no longer lean on those things. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Susan, I'd like you to come up and and share more. Yeah, so, um, and I can relate with that, because when I um, allowed God to deal with that, just, well, I must be okay if other people think I'm okay, and he started pulling that, I felt, I did, I felt that real emptiness and realized... Gosh, I, I definitely I need His love. It's only His love is the only antidote. It's the only solution. It's the only answer. Because how many know His love is a river that flows endlessly. It never ends. All these other things, I guess smoking is a good example. Any addiction would be a good example. As soon as you're done with it, it's it's over, and you're just as empty, if not more empty than ever. But God's love fills, it satisfies, it nourishes that deep foundational place of our heart that needs to know that we know that we know we're okay, because he put that in us to know that. So I just want to look for a minute at the prodigal son story. I would say the prodigal son's story. They really both were 
lost little boys. Um, I spent a lot of time looking at this story um, this summer because it just spoke so clearly to me because I could just see in both of those young men my own heart in in part. Because how many know those two young men, they were both looking for identity and purpose, but they were looking for it outside of a relationship with their daddy that loved them. The younger brother comes to dad and says, just give me all that money, give me my money. If, you just, if I just had enough money, I know I'm going to be okay. If I just could do anything I want, if I had enough money to do anything I want, I just know I'll feel good about myself, I'll be satisfied, I'll go out and I'll make all these friends. You know, I'm going to make fame and glory and everybody's going to love me. And I know then, I know then that this hole in my heart will be filled. I just know it. I just know it. And, of course, he went and his dad said, okay. You know, I always wonder about this story. Like, where's mom? (laughs) Anybody ever ever thought that? Where's mom? I I don't know if that had anything to do with this, but anyway. Just a thought there. But the younger, so the younger brother goes out, and he just he just totally believes, you know? If I only had enough stuff, if I only looked good enough to enough people, and enough people really liked me, enough people wanted to be with me, and I threw some big parties, and all the, all the beautiful people hung, hung out with me, Right? If I, I was just so, if I could only be so talented and so gifted that they just would all adore me, I know then I'd be satisfied. I'd be able to fill up this hole. And how many of you know, as soon as the money ran out, there went all his friends. And he was left recognizing how very empty he was down deep. That, all that stuff he was trying to do to feel okay about himself was not doing it. Not at all. Then we have Big Brother. Big Brother was a workaholic. I am working hard for the kingdom. One of those people who thinks they have to sacrifice, right? If I just, I'm just doing for God and I am making a difference. And doesn't anybody notice what I am doing for God? But how many knows you could praise somebody, you could be praised, you know, every day of your life and it would still not be enough for all the things you do for God. There's nothing wrong with doing good things for God, but it cannot be the source of our identity and purpose. You see, the things we do come out of who we are in God. We can't allow the things we do to become who we are in God. And that does require <laughs> this this challenge that we are all learning of how to come into this amazing, intimate, loving relationship with God, because he wants to be partnering with us in everything we do. So one of the, one of the things I actually really enjoy about my, my job is those times where somebody, um, I, I work um, as a physician assistant, the person that comes in on occasion who, is, who has been fighting an addiction and they have finally come to the end of themselves. And you can almost feel it. When I walk into the room to those, see those people, I can feel it. You can tell when somebody has come to the end of themselves and they're thinking, the things I have been trying to do in and of my own resources ain't working. 
I am willing to do whatever it takes to get free. And um, that's where this, the younger brother got to. He's like, I get it now. Trying hard all by myself to feel okay about myself. Making up stories inside my head about how okay I am. Convincing myself that I am everybody's answer and I'm Mr. Wonderful. It's not doing it. It's not doing it for me. I need the real. I need my daddy's arms. I need the real thing that will be the tap root of my life into that which gives life, that which is the source of my being. And he finally came to the end of himself and came running home because he got it. Big Brother didn't quite get it yet. So when he um, sat there watching his younger brother being celebrated, he's feeling kind of resentful and bitter. He's like, haven't you noticed? I work and I work and I work, Dad. I've been working for you. I've been doing all these great things for you. Haven't you noticed? Can't you see? And his dad says to him, you know, I have seen every single day of your life, and I've adored you, and I've celebrated you, and I've enjoyed you, but you've been so busy focusing on what you're doing, you haven't even seen how much I love you. So we all, we all get that same response from our Father in heaven. He looks at it, he says, all that I have is already yours. There's nothing you need to do to prove this. You don't have to take any classes. You don't have to memorize a whole bunch of scriptures. You don't have to pray 10 hours a day. It's already all yours because I call you mine. I did that from the very moment. I even dreamed you up. You were already mine. I already saw you. I already wanted you. I call you mine because that's what my heart does. It loves. It loves with an unconditional love that is a love like that little boy I was talking about earlier who didn't know it broke the rules to go running up to hug his mommy who was standing there at attention with all these other troops standing at attention because they needed to go through the protocol before they could greet their family and he said I want to be with that I want to be with my mommy I want to be with her because she loves me and I love her. So I just um, want to encourage you all just to maybe close your eyes or just pray for a minute here. You know, Jesus, you know. You know our hearts. You know how much we love you. And you know how much each and every one of us needs to know that we are enough in you. Uh, And right now I pray, just like you did for me this summer, that if there is any pain or awareness of where where we've been trying to feel loved, (laughs) where we've been trying in and of ourselves to feel like we're enough. I thank you, Jesus, that you come running to us to fill that need. 
that we don't need to be alone trying to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. You already have it. You already feel good about us. All you ask is that we simply receive that perfect acceptance that flows from your heart to ours. That same love, that same adoration that's between the Father and the Son is ours. Because Christ is in you as you are in him, that same flow is yours now. So if there's any measure of pain, of anxiety, of stress, if there's any awareness of any of that, Jesus says to you, it's mine. It's mine. I want it. I want your pain. I want your hurt. I want the misunderstandings. I want them. (laughs) They're mine. They're mine. Your griefs, your sorrows, your disappointments. I want them. I want them. Because when I look at you, I do not see those things. I see a child I adore. I see someone of such great worth that I said to you, you are worth everything, even my life. You are worth it. (laughs) Just being you is perfect for me. That's all you need. Just be you. You get to just be you. And I also pray, God, that if there's anything about us that has caused us to think it isn't okay to just be me, would you show us right now what that looks like? What that looks like just to be that child that comes running to your arms, not caring about anything from the past, not caring about any rules or any protocols. We get to go running into your arms. And say, I, Daddy, I love you. I want you. And you want me. So let all the pain, just let the pain be released. He takes it. He just takes it. You just let it go. And he gives you an exchange. He gives you an exchange. His enough. You are enough. You are everything he wants you to be. Yeah, you get to be a little child again in his arms. You get to be a little child without a worry or without a care. He wants 
to own those cares, those worries as his very own. Ha, ha. You get to be that child. So I pray even right now, God, to reawaken that child within each one of us. Oh, that child, that carefree, no worries. You get to be totally God-conscious and no longer self-conscious. No longer self-conscious because you get to think his thoughts about you. All his thoughts are yours because everything he has is yours. It is well with your soul. <laughs> very, very, very well. If you want to laugh right now, it's kind. There's some, there's some, there's some stuff kicking in right now. That's what happens when you move junk out of the way. It's like, whoo, God's like, I got some stuff to fill you in that, in that place. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. So, um, parents, um, hey. or at least, hey. it, Bro. sorry, it, it oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kids, the time for kids. <laughs> Stay here and minister, Susan. <laughs> so yes, if you have if you have kids, please go and and uh, recover them. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, and I just encourage you um, just to uh, to sit for a little bit and just let. Let this continue to sink in, not change the channel. Be held in your Heavenly Father's arms, safe and loved just as you are. He rejoices over you with his singing. Hear, hear the Father's song over you. He has one for you. And he quiets us with his love. Nothing to prove. Nothing you have to do to get in. You're in. You're in his arms. Celebrated. I bless the core of your being, your original self. The uniqueness, the Father, 
created before the foundation of the world, really. He, he dreamed up your unique ways, gifts, sensibilities, passions. I bless you to enjoy that also because you're his idea. <laughs> creativity, I bless creativity in all its forms because we are, all, we are all like our daddy and he is the creator and also he is creative. I bless your original self. Fiery, fun, passionate, powerful. I bless you to experience the river of life flowing down powerfully into you and then out through you, out of out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water from the river of heaven, the river of life, ever being replenished, never running dry, always protected, always guarded. Our current bodies will not last, but the core of who you are is always protected. So I bless you to sit with that, and when you're ready, you can you know talk quietly. But if there are people still engaged, give them space to engage. Okay. I love and we love and bless you, and we're so glad to be back with our family. <laughs>